Before we dive into the material this morning, let us pray and ask for God's help. Our Father, we, we do come before you and we thank you for your mercies that are new every morning. And even for the kindness of your people toward me and toward one another, these two are expressions of your mercies toward us, to even give us these dispositions toward one another. And we do pray that we would know the abundance of your spirit upon us as we seek to worship you this day, as we seek to proclaim your word, as we seek to receive your word and to be doers of that word. And so we ask that you would help us to glorify you in all aspects of our worship and all our time before your presence. For, Lord, the most important one to be present here is you yourself. And so that is what we ask more than anything else, that we would know your presence. And, Lord, we don't necessarily have to beg because, Lord Jesus, you have promised that where two or three are gathered together, there you are in their midst. And so, Lord, we do go forth in faith this morning upon your word, and we ask for your help. We pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, for this hour, I'd like to bring before you some notes regarding the kingdom of God. Uh, with a title like that, you cannot be exhaustive in one hour. But as I looked in my, uh, my spreadsheet, I keep track of what I preach and where because I go to different places. I have preached in the past on Matthew um, chapter 6 where Jesus says, But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. 6.33 And then he goes on to say, <clears throat> uh, Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. And as we consider those two verses together, and particularly verse 33 where it says, Seek ye first his kingdom. Well, if you're going to seek the kingdom of God, you need to know what it is that you're seeking. And it says, Seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness. So two things to be sought there. And I just wanted just to reiterate briefly uh, what the kingdom of God is. And this is something that I've boiled down in the simple terms. It can be defined and explained in so many different ways, as we have a systematic theologian among us. <laughs> and the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven, as I said before, are interchangeable terms, is referring to the same thing. There's no, different, there's no kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven is something different. But simply put... <clears throat> It, the kingdom of heaven is the realm where the redeemed live under the rule of God. I made it very simple. <laughs> it is the realm where the redeemed live under the rule of God. I say realm. Um, not so much of a locality like it has to be in Jerusalem because Jesus said it's not in this mountain 
nor in that mountain. But it is the realm that is, it is the place, not necessarily a location, but it is a realm where there are people, and these people have been redeemed. That is, they have been saved from their sins. They have been delivered from the darkness of this world. And it's among those people where the kingdom of heaven is manifested at this point in this world. Because not every knee has bowed and confessed Jesus as Lord in this world. It doesn't mean that Jesus doesn't rule the world. No, he rules the world. He rules over all things. But his kingdom is where his subjects willingly, joyfully bow and submit and serve the king. And it is in that kingdom because... The kingdom, the, the, the Bible says some other things about the kingdom as we look at the various texts, but the kingdom is something that has begun in this age. And it's to be completed, if you will, in the age to come. So it has begun and is yet to be manifested in all of its fullness. That will come when Jesus return again. And so when we say, Jesus says, seek ye first his kingdom, that is, you want to seek to firstly be in the kingdom. You got to make sure you're in the kingdom, and that is through repentance and faith in him. You want to seek first the kingdom in your life in terms of his advancement in this world. That is, your life is to be oriented around the kingdom, that is, the rule and the government of the Lord Jesus Christ, because Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And he gives his commands, and when we seek his kingdom, we're living for his glory and for his honor. And it's not only in our lives, but we want to see others come into the kingdom around the whole world, because we are taught in the Lord's Prayer. Jesus says, when you pray, Pray in this manner. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so it's not just a desire just for ourselves, but when we seek the kingdom, we want to see God's name hallowed and honored in all the earth, because he is worthy to be worshipped and honored in all nations upon the earth. And so while we are in this world, and the kingdom has come, yes it has, is not yet manifested in all its fullness, yet we desire to see as many people come into that kingdom as possible until he returns. And so when we seek first the kingdom, we want to seek to be in the kingdom. We want to seek the advancement of that kingdom. So those are just some introductory remarks. But this morning, for this hour, I want to consider two things about the kingdom. As I mentioned here, the kingdom is something that has already come. And it is, always, it is also something that is yet to be in all of its fullness. And so firstly, we want to consider how the kingdom is manifested in this age. 
how the kingdom is manifested in this age. It has come, but how has it come? And I have one thing to say about that. And then we have a number of passages to look at. How the kingdom has been manifested in this age is in the person and the ministry and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. It all centers around him. It all centers around him. And before Christ came, yes, God had his people. But the world was in great darkness. And it continues to be in darkness to this very day. But if you remember Jesus' words in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in the darkness, but shall have the light of life. And those words are true. He is the light of the world. And so when Jesus came into the world, the light came in and shined in the darkness, if you will. The darkness of sin, the darkness of the influence of the devil, and the darkness that comes with the reality of death, of sickness and death. And I want us to see in the scripture, when Jesus came into the world, how the kingdom was manifested upon his entry into the world. We have Jesus' works, Jesus' preaching, his death, his resurrection, and his church. And all of those things spring from his coming into this world. And so turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4. And I just hope that our consideration this morning, although it's in no way exhaustive, will provoke you to pursue and Look at these things more closely yourselves. But Matthew chapter 4, beginning in verse 23. And this is after Jesus has commenced his public ministry. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of disease and all manner of sickness among the people. And the report of him went forth into all Syria, and they brought to him all that were sick, holding with various diseases and torments, possessed with demons and epileptic and palsied, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes from Galilee and Decapolis and Jerusalem and Judea and from beyond the Jordan. So if you look at that snapshot, if you will, of Jesus' ministry, of him beginning his ministry, 
This is a radical upheaval, as it were, of society. And you have cities and peoples and multitudes of people beginning to follow him. But I want you to notice what his public ministry mainly consisted of two things, and that is preaching and healing. He brought a message, and he also healed people of their various diseases and sicknesses. And he went about in their synagogues preaching the gospel, and the gospel is the good news of what? Of the kingdom. The good news of the kingdom, and as we read throughout the Gospels, and you all familiar with the Gospels, Jesus' message was, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is something new. Yes, God had his old covenant people through Israel, speaking through Moses and the prophets. Yes, God was active in the earth. But this is something different. Now the, the Messiah, the one that they've been waiting for, the one that had been prophesied of in Isaiah the prophet, the suffering servant of Jehovah, and in the Psalms, and where this one was foretold that he would come, and even the people of that day, they had a misconception of Messiah because they thought he was a political or military one. Because they say, hey, we were hoping that he would deliver Israel from Rome. And they wanted to be set free politically. They wanted the Romans out of their land. This is our land, and so we want our freedom back. And brethren, this kind of like overtones in our day, right? In terms of perspective. And people get very emotional at political rallies. You see the flags. You see them chanting, and they say, USA, USA, right? They really get nothing wrong to, to, but we want to make sure that it's for we, the people of God, what are the things that are most important to us? It's not USA, USA, and I'm not anti-USA. I think we all should honor God and be good citizens to his glory, to his glory but our citizenship ultimately is in heaven from whence we wait from a savior. And so here, Jesus, this is good news that the kingdom has come. And so he's calling people to repent. And this kingdom is, even the fact that this message, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here, you figure, what kind of kingdom is this? You think, well, the kingdom of heaven is here, arm yourselves. We're going after those Romans. Get rid of these traitor, tax collector, Jewish people. We're going to put them in prison. We're going to deliver ourselves. No more taxes to the Romans. And eventually we're going to free ourselves from every foreign influence. And we're going to have our nation purified. And there we're going to have our kingdom, our land, Jerusalem, the temple. It's going to be glorious. That wasn't the kingdom he came to establish. And so that's the reason his message was what it was. Repent. That signals something different about this kingdom. And a matter of sin, and men need to, be, need to turn. And he was speaking to the Jewish people. He was calling them to repent. John the Baptist, we read in, in chapter 3, 
when John was, he was a forerunner of Jesus. What was John's message? He had the baptism of what? Repentance. Repentance. And he was warning them of the judgment to come. And so this matter of repentance was something that showed the people that to get into this kingdom, you have to repent. And, but it is good news. It's not bad news. It is good news because here, Jesus as the light of the world is dispelling the darkness, the confusion of perspectives, of goals, of what's important, and, of, and he's showing people the reality of the situation that they're in, and the reality is they must repent. Remember what he said when that tower fell on and they But people were concerned, and Jesus says, unless you repent, you too will likewise perish. Jesus never deviated from that message. And so that's something we need to understand with the manifestation of the kingdom is Jesus' message, his preaching, calling men to repent because the kingdom was at hand. The kingdom was here because he was here. And therefore he called men and women to repent. But notice the other thing that he did, the activity of healing, and healing all manner of disease. Think about that. All manner of disease. And how they brought people with various sicknesses and diseases. And you know, when I go into the hospital, sometimes I think about that. Or you think about when you've gone into hospitals, visiting a loved one, or maybe you yourself was in. And maybe you had to walk down the, um, the corridor and there's all the rooms and you see people lying in their beds. And you see them with various ailments. Some are moaning, some are hanging in air, and some are complaining. And, but can you imagine or being in the ER? You know, you have, there is a much more tense situation. And in the ER, you have all of these different conditions And these people, they brought all the sick to where Jesus was. And can you imagine seeing all of these sick people moaning and groaning, crying and weeping and longing for some help, for some relief? And he heals them all. He heals them all. But not only people who are physically sick, but people who have been afflicted by demon possession. Possessed by the devil, being influenced, or the demons. And, and there, we, and when we read in the gospel narratives, you could think of the boy who was thrown into the fire and thrown into the water. And even when the disciples were speaking to, when Jesus was speaking to the disciples and to the boy's father, the boy was rolling around on the ground, foaming at the mouth. Now, for us, we think of the movie The Exorcist, if we've seen that movie in the 70s and other movies like that of that nature. But that's just Hollywood. But here we have the scriptures, the, um, the, the account of that, and how Jesus cast out the demon. He cast him out. And what does these things show us? Sickness, demon possession, raising of the dead, Hold that thought. Let's look at some more passages. Turn to um, Matthew chapter 12. 
I'm sorry, chapter 9. Let's go to chapter 9. We'll, we'll keep it in order here. Chapter 9. Verse 35. Matthew 9, verse 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and the villages. What was he doing when he was going to these places? He went about all the cities and the villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of disease. He's doing the same thing. All manner of disease and all manner of sickness. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them, because they were distressed and scattered as sheep not having a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, The harvest indeed is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he send forth laborers into his harvest. So here, and this is a passage we often read to motivate us to pray for evangelism, that God will raise up preachers to go out and preach his word, which is right that we do. But I want you to notice in the context, he continues with those same activities. Preaching the good news of the kingdom, healing all manner of sickness and disease. That's what he's doing. And then notice what he does in, um, in chapter 10, verse 1. And he called unto him his twelve disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and disease. All manner of disease and sickness. So what does he commission his disciples to do? The same thing he was doing. They're preaching them the gospel of the kingdom, and but he's given them authority to heal all manner of sickness and disease. Let's look at Matthew 11. Now, John the Baptist was a bold preacher, and he pointed Jesus out to the masses of the people. Behold, remember that? The Lamb of God. And John was unwavering. But John is in a different set of circumstances, and John it appears that John, even from these words here, what we're going to read, that John, even as the last of the Old Testament prophets, he, he wasn't all that clear of Messiah's work because he, he expected everything that was going to happen now in his day. He warned them. He said, who warned you to flee from the wrath of come, right? He was urging people to repent and warning them to flee and it was an urgent message, but now he's in prison. And now he's beginning to have second thoughts about Jesus. Notice what he says. Verse 2. Now when John heard in the prison the works of the Christ, he sent by his disciples and said unto them, Are you he that comes, or look we for another? Can you imagine that question? Why would John ask that question? He's already pointed him out. He baptized him, right? He baptized him. The voice came from heaven. Jesus' ministry. John said, he must increase, I must decrease. 
But now John, he's in a different set of circumstances. And you know, it's easy to be encouraged when we're with one another in this place about the things of God. But let us be isolated, separated from one another. How's our faith then? And John is in prison. Different set of circumstances. And now, and sometimes, when we have too much time to think, our perception of reality gets a bit distorted. And John had a lot of time to think. And John had so much time that he became doubtful and said, well, will you send the message? Because John is thinking, wait a minute. I preached the baptism of repentance. I called men to repent. And he was the Messiah. And John is wondering, where is the kingdom? I'm, I'm saying he's probably thinking, where is the kingdom? He's in prison. Where's the kingdom? And notice what Jesus says to him. In verse 4, Jesus answered, and Jesus, Jesus answered to John. Jesus answered and said unto them, go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, and the dead are raised up, and the poor have good tidings preached to them. Blessed is he whosoever shall find no occasion of stumbling in me. And then Jesus go on to speak great things of John. But notice what Jesus says in answer to his question. If you were to ask Jesus, are you really the Messiah? Are you really the coming one? And John asked this question, you know, are you the coming one or should we look for another? The Romans are still in power. I'm imprisoned by this wicked man, Herod, this unjust man. I'm in this situation. Things do not appear to be getting better. So are you really? And then Jesus says, he points out the things that he's done. Healing. And this he includes here raising the dead. And having the good tidings preach to the poor. The same things. The same things. And then let's look at chapter 12. And this is interesting from Jesus' own words. Now, Jesus cast out demons, and you remind you of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders, they were envious of Jesus. The Bible tells us that it was for envy that they handed Jesus over to be crucified. And so they say, oh yeah, he's casting out demons. Okay, he's doing that, but he's doing it by the power of Beelzebub, the prince of demons. He's not doing that by the power of God. He's in league with the demons. That's why they know who he is. The slander of Jesus. And then Jesus speaks about how the kingdom divided, etc. But look at verse 27. And if I, Jesus answering this objection, and if I by Beelzebub cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore, Shall they be your judges? Verse 28 is very instructive. But 
I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. This is Jesus' own words. If I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. Now let me make, get to my point here. The casting out of demons. 1 John 3 says, The Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And the works of the devil is to murder men. And the tools that he used to murder is by lying. He was a liar and a murderer from the beginning. And he murders by way of a lie and deceit. And the Bible says the whole world lies in the evil one. 1 John 5. And then in second, I'm doing this to save us time from turning a lot of passages. Second Corinthians four, it says how the God of this world blinds the minds of the unbelieving. And remember my introductory remarks, how this world is in darkness, and this demon possession is intended to ruin the lives of people and make them miserable. And to see them destroyed in hell forever. You remember the demoniac, the man that was, they couldn't restrain him, so they, they tried to chain him down. And he was a wild guy, and no one really wanted to go near this guy. And he was possessed with demons. But then when Jesus came, they saw the man sitting at Jesus' feet, clothed and in his right mind. No one could bring that man to that position but Jesus. Because of his condition of demon possession. And here Jesus is showing that his authority over the demons is indicating that he has power over the devil. To set men free from the enslavement and the destructive influence of demons and the devil, he has power and authority over the devil, and that's why he cast out demons. And that's why he says, if I, by the Spirit of God, cast out demons, then is the kingdom of God come upon you. Here, with the kingdom of God, here's this manifestation of true freedom. Of true freedom. We want to have a good life. We want to be happy. We want to stop paying high taxes. We want to keep our money. We want to make our own choices about what we do in our lives. We want freedom, right? And not only this, but in the various sicknesses, it shows that he has the power and the authority. And the reason why we have the sicknesses, it goes back to Eden, right? When man fell, and then we lived in this fallen world. And because of sin entering into the world, Romans 5, death passed to all men, for that all have sinned. And that's why there's death, because of sin. And because of sin and death, this fallen world, 
we age, we get weak, we get sick, eventually we die. And yet Jesus was able to raise people from the dead. He had the power to defy death. Remember the raising of Lazarus? I am the resurrection and the life. That sounds like good news to me. Resurrection and life. And then the message. It's not just him doing all of these miracles so people can ooh and ah. But all of these miracles, these signs, were demonstrations of his authority to reverse the curse. Was it him? Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And then Watts speaks about he makes salvation grow. Something as far as the curse is found. As far as, as the curse is found. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. And so he is able to reverse the curse of sin. He is able to reverse the curse of death. He is able to conquer the works of the devil. And he brings men good news of hope, of truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so the truth was, is that people needed to repent. That was the truth. He told men the truth. The gospel message is a message of truth, and we tell people the truth. They're not okay. If they're not saved, if they haven't repented, they're not okay. They will perish under judgment of God. For this world is slated for judgment. Jesus spoke about hell. He warned men. He spoke much about these things. Jesus spoke the truth. And so this is part of the good news of the kingdom. When you tell people the truth. And you show them the way of life. This is where their true freedom is going to come. And they will be set free from ignorance, from lies, from darkness, from their own sin, from the influence of the devil. And when God opens their eyes, they will see Jesus for who he is. They will see this world for what it is. It is a world that is passing away. And they will have their hope set and fixed upon the kingdom of God. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. You know, Jesus' works continued even after he went to the cross. And when Jesus went to the cross, he conquered death and sin, and he conquered it all there at Calvary. Because he was the first man, the only man, to ever die and rise again. Because he was more than man. He was a man. He is a man. But he's also God. And having come from heaven, the Son of God, taking on a body, a human nature, undefiled, unpolluted with sin, he went to the cross as the Lamb of God. And this is what the king does, how he establishes his kingdom. He goes to the cross, and there taking on the sin of a multitude which no man could number, of God's elect, taking on their sins upon him, going to 
face the wrath of God, which is judgment, the equivalent of going to hell, if you will, the suffering of hell, enduring God's wrath upon himself, suffering the judgment of God, death, curse, curse is he who hangs upon the tree. Christ became a curse for us. But then having endured the wrath, having endured the suffering, where there is sin, there is death, right? Where there is no sin, there is life. And having endured the sins and paid for price for the sins, he rose from the dead. He couldn't stay in the grave any longer. He couldn't remain dead because he had endured. He has satisfied the justice of God toward the sins of all the people that of their sins that were laid upon him of God's elect. And he had to rise. It was just for God to raise him from the dead. God could not leave him in the dead because he had endured God's wrath for the sins of his people. And so he rose from the dead victoriously never to die again. And he did that as a representative for his people. 1 Corinthians 15 bears that out. But having risen from the dead, the work continues. The work continues through his church, through the apostles. And here we have on the day of Pentecost, notice what um, Peter says in verse 32 of Acts chapter 2. And Peter is is explaining this phenomena of these Galileans speaking in all these other languages of the peoples that were there. And Peter says, verse 32, This Jesus did God raise up, whereof we are all witnesses, being therefore by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, for this which you see and hear, and that is these men speaking in all these languages. Because this message is going to go to the nations, not just to the Jewish people. This is a message for all the peoples in the world. And so they were speaking in all these other languages, the wonderful works of God. And Peter is saying this is because Jesus has been raised up and we are witnesses. We are witnesses. And then, and then notice verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know assuredly that God hath made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. He's indicting them. You crucified him. God has made him Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? The message is still the same. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ unto remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You see, the message is repent. It's the same message. And the apostles, eventually, they would do miracles, but not in the sense of the way Jesus, they did the same miracles, but not showing that they are the ones that have the authority. No. They even said, Peter said, we don't do this by our own authority, 
but it's in the name of Jesus. It's, by, it's still by Jesus' authority and by Jesus' power through them that they were able to do these things, showing men that this is a way of salvation and life. This is our hope. This is the kingdom of God. Repent and believe. And brethren, this is how the kingdom is manifested in this age. My second point is how the kingdom would be manifested in the age to come and and we'll just save that for next week, Lord willing. But as we think about these things, as we close, brethren, as I mentioned, we come full circle. Jesus is the light of the world. We are not wasting our time. This place is not filled with lots of people. I've said that on many occasions. But you want to be where Jesus is. And it doesn't matter if it's a big crowd, a small gathering. Many people rejected Jesus when he was on earth. Many people turned away from him. And in fact, Jesus continues to be the most hated person in the world. The world continues to hate Jesus. So don't think being a Christian, especially you younger, don't think being a Christian is going to make you popular, respected, and people is going to like you. No. No. Jesus says, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. But the kingdom has come. Things are bad in this world. Things have always been bad in this world since the fall of man, when Cain brutally murdered his brother. It's been bad ever since. And it continues to be bad. And you may be concerned about things that is going on nationally, in your life personally. And, all, and this world is so messed up. There was so, so much confusion. People, so many people get depressed. People want to commit suicide because they're living in the darkness and they're not seeing the light. There's no hope for them. They don't know. It. There's no way out. What can they do? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus has the authority to conquer all that is wrong with this world, brethren. And so the message, this is why the gospel is good news. Because it is the truth. It is the truth. And Jesus says the truth will set you free. So as we, as we close this time and as you read over the gospel narratives, when you think of the miracles that Jesus is doing, keep in mind, he was demonstrating his power and authority to reverse everything that is wrong with this world. And only he can do it. And he will. He will. Let's pray.